welcome to Crossview Radio, a podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. My brain made me do it. My environment made me do it. My upbringing made me do it. My trauma made me do it. My lack of self-esteem made me do it. My sin made me do it. The question that I want to answer today is quite simply, what made me do it? A couple of years ago, we sent out a flyer to our community explaining that Jesus Christ is our hope for depression and anxiety. And I received an email response uh, to this uh, from an individual who said that she was a Christian from a young age and that our postcard was harmful and that she herself uh, is helped by therapy and by medication. The question I want to ask here is, are we wrong to trust in Christ for hope through despair? Are those who trust in Christ and still struggle with counseling situations missing something? What is going on, and how can we understand uh, these things? And so I want to focus today uh, on the podcast on uh, the issue of causation, And this is uh, something that has, for a very long time, separated biblical counselors, psychologists, and Christian integrationists. What causes my depression? What causes my anxiety? What causes my anger? What causes my addiction? Now, it's important to understand here that secular counselors themselves are not in agreement on the answers to these questions. Uh, It is not, uh, here is the uniform secular answer to these questions on the one side, and then on the other side we have the Christians uh, as a war between the two. Uh, For instance, if one adheres to the psychoanalytic school of thought after Freud, one would have the tendency to think of the problem in terms of subconscious conflict, and then the goal would be to help the person to have insight. If one adheres to the behavioristic school of thought after John Watson and B.F. Skinner, one would have the tendency to think of the problem in terms of bad teaching or a bad environment. One must solve the problem by putting the person in a good environment. If one adheres to the humanistic school of thought after Carl Rogers, one would tend to think of the problem in terms of unmet needs. The goal of counseling, then, would be to encourage self-esteem, self-love, and self-actualization. Likewise, the chemical imbalance theory began in the 1960s and gave rise to a plethora of medications that were supposed to correct uh, our out-of-balance hormones. Now, what all of these theories have in common is that they all propose different causes to the psychological problems that we all experience. And that really is what we want to know, right? Is it not? If I am depressed or anxious or fearful or experiencing trauma or whatever it is, I want to know what the root cause is so that I can fix it. If Skinner is right, then medicine won't be a cure. And if Rogers is right, then laying down on a shrink's couch won't be a cure. And if Freud is right, then helping someone increase their self-love won't be a cure. And if the chemical imbalance theory is right, then putting someone in a good environment won't be a cure. Each school of thought represents a different list of theories on causes and cures. They disagree with one another. And if you go to a secular psychologist, you will get different opinions depending on who you go to. 
But each one is trying to give you a definitive cause to your problem. Now, the difficulty with this is that causes are notoriously difficult to identify. For instance, Charles Hodges says one of the difficulties lies in determining which factor is the cause of the other. Does a chemical imbalance cause depression or does it result from depression? Could there be a third factor, one that might have led to both the depression and to a chemical imbalance? Now, I would suggest that one of the many problems with these various secular proposals would be that they are overly reductionistic. Uh, And what I think uh, we can do to help in this area is to take a look at Aristotle's four causes. He famously developed these four causes. Uh, They are uh, the formal cause, the material cause, the efficient cause, and the final cause. R.C. Sproul uh, spends some time uh, working through these four different causes, and he uh, gives an example of these four causes as, as follows. He, he says that, uh, imagine uh, a sculpture, and uh, you ask yourself the question, you know, what caused this sculpture to be made? And the answer to that question would depend on which of these four causes you were thinking of. The formal cause would be the sculptor's vision or plan. He caused it to come into existence because of his planning, his foresight, his vision. The material cause would be the block of marble. That is to say, uh, it has a physical um, component to it. It is is made out of a physical material. And so uh, if it were not for that material, then this sculpture could not have been made. Likewise, you can also talk about it in terms of the efficient cause, which would be the sculptor himself actually doing the physical work. Uh, And then, of course, the final cause uh, is going to be more of the purpose. Uh, To what end was this made? And uh, we would assume in a sculpture it would be for some sort of decoration. Uh, Let me give you another example here. Uh, let's, um, Let's ask another question. And theologians have used Aristotle's four causes to answer this question. And the question is, how did you get saved? Now, we could talk of this question in terms of its efficient cause. Um, in that case, we would answer the question by saying, well, through my faith, my faith caused me to be saved. And of course, um, theologians would refer to this as the doctrine of justification by faith alone. And certainly we would say, yes, that is the cause of my salvation. We would say, It's the efficient cause of it. But we could talk about this question in another sense, and that is we could talk about it in the sense or in light of its final cause. What was the final cause? What is the root cause, we might say? Or what is the purpose to which I am saved? And of course, if we were talking about this in terms of purpose, we would say that it was God's glory. The glory of God is the foundation of my salvation. Uh, the grace of God. And so both of these things, uh, both of these answers would be correct. It's just that we're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. Let's uh, take another example, okay? Let's ask the question, why did you punch your brother in the face? Well, it would be legitimate to answer the question and say, because he took my toy train away. But it would also be equally legitimate to answer, because I'm selfish, and so in, this, uh, in regard to this question and looking at it through Aristotle's different causes, 
we recognize that there are different things that have happened in the process of, uh, of causing this to come about. So now what I want to do with this is I want to transpose this over into counseling issues and explore it a little bit. And so let's ask this question. Why are you depressed? Now, we can answer this question using Aristotle's paradigm in four ways. Why are you depressed? The formal cause is that the world and human beings are broken because of the fall. Romans 8 expresses this to us, and we understand that depression happens and enters this world because of the fall. If it were not for the fall of man, then depression would not exist. And so the formal cause is the fall. We can also answer this question, why are you depressed, in terms of its material cause. So we might answer this question this way and say, I'm depressed because I'm overly tired, I have a hormonal imbalance, or so on and so forth. There may be some sort of physical uh, connection here to my depression. We could also answer this uh, in terms of the efficient cause. What is the thing that happened that immediately uh, triggered my depression? And so we might answer this question by saying, my dog died. This is the efficient cause of my depression. Or we could answer this in terms of the final cause of depression. And I would suggest this, uh, and this is what we have our biblical evidence of, and that is my sinful heart did not get what it wanted or what it expected. And so we can take Aristotle's paradigm and superimpose it over issues of counseling and say that we have a material, formal, efficient, and final cause. Now, I would suggest to us that sometimes biblical counselors are unfairly represented. When we are talking about causes, when somebody says, why am I depressed, or why am I anxious, or why am I angry, or whatever it might be, keep in mind that usually, I think I can say usually here, usually biblical counselors are talking about this in terms of the final cause. Um, So biblical counselors will typically... Um, kind of gloss over the formal, material, and efficient causes. Um, And I think there's good reason for this. We want to get to the root of the problem. We want to deal with it at the the heart, at the core of it. Um, And and so, but but taking that into consideration, we have to remember uh, that there are other causes that are not necessarily root causes, but other factors that are going into play here, okay? Um, Now, to be sure, we don't want to give a false credibility to unbiblical ideas, but I would say that there is a legitimacy to Aristotle's four causes. I want to give you some examples of this. Uh, Hyperthyroidism uh, and increased cortisol levels can contribute to panic attacks, Hypothyroidism, inadequate rest, seizure medication, steroids, blood pressure medication, and hormone therapy can contribute to depression. Inadequate rest, thyroid dysfunction, early menopause, and adrenal tumors can contribute to anxiety and to worry. These connections and more um, you can explore in a handy little guide, the Christian Counselor's Medical Desk Reference. Now, in the past, I've sensed maybe... Uh, a little bit, 
that some people were a bit afraid of how I might respond if they told me that they think their depression is connected to, let's say, their hormones, and that they expected me to suddenly rebuke them and say, stop it with that nonsense. I won't have that in my presence. It's sin. Now, let me say for the record that I do not discount these causes. The distinction that I want to make, and I think this is an important distinction, is that I would not label these causes as the final cause or as the root cause. I would say that I would classify these causes as closer to Aristotle's material cause. Now, I personally uh, like to simply refer to them as occasions, occasions to sin or occasions uh, of temptation. One author, for example, says the difficulties of life in this fallen world are the occasions of our worry, but not the cause. And I think that distinction is helpful. A.W. Pink says, temptations and occasions put nothing into men. They only draw out what was in him before. Uh, Again, I think that's a very helpful distinction to make, is that the temptations, the occasions, the situations of life... um, whether they be physical, whether they be uh, someone doing something to me, oppressing me in some way, these things don't put anything into me. They only take out what was already inside of me. Likewise, Jim Berg says, when we take a tea bag, place it in a teacup, and fill the cup with hot water, the water activates the tea in the bag, unleashing its taste into the water around it. The hot water didn't create the taste. It merely revealed or drew out what was already in the bag. And I wholeheartedly endorse this quote, but I do want to unpack it a bit. When the tea bag is put into the hot water, it is right, in a sense, to talk of the hot water as causing the tea to seep out. We can refer to this as the efficient cause. And again, I'm referring to this as the occasion. But it isn't the final cause. And it did not put anything into that tea bag that was not already there. It didn't create anything new. Consider the little boy who hits his brother. Why did he hit his brother? The efficient cause is the most immediate thing. So it is that his brother took the train away. But there is a deeper cause, and that's the final cause or the root cause. And this is what biblical counselors like to focus on. So, for example, let's say that you're struggling with anger, uh, with intense anger, but let's say that you discover that you are having some sort of hormonal difficulties, and then you address them, you cure those issues, and your anger goes away. Is it appropriate to talk of the hormonal issues as the cause of your anger? Yes, if we are talking about the material cause, again, as I'm calling the occasion to sin, But it is no excuse to sin. And so one of the things that we can do is when we go through these particular difficulties, whether it be a physical prompt, whether it be a situational prompt, or whatever the prompt or the occasion might be, we can look at these as little windows to our souls and recognize that when when all when everything else is stripped away, when when I don't have the opportunity to prepare myself to be in a certain situation, and it's just thrust upon me immediately, I get a little window of what the real me is like on the inside. And in this situation, uh, the, the situation is cured, is addressed. 
I have to recognize, oh, that's still inside of me. That's something that's going to come out the next time I'm pressured. And so I need to recognize that and actually view this as the Lord's common grace, where he has revealed a part of my character to me, so that this is something that I can work on uh, in the meantime. Biblical counselors usually don't talk about uh, these kinds of things as the cause, uh, because they are usually thinking of the final cause. And so if we're talking about the final cause or the root cause, then no, in that sense, the hormonal issues cannot be the cause. If you are angry and we're looking for the final cause or the root cause, then we would consider Matthew 15, 19 and James 4, 1. Matthew 15, 19 says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Jesus says that all of these sinful things come out of the heart. These things are ultimately caused by sinful hearts, and they are in the final cause, um, not related to the uh, material or the efficient causes. James 4.1 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Again, it is unbridled desires. It is a heart that wants what it wants, and that is the final cause. The Bible communicates to us that our worry, our anxiety, our misplaced hope, our fear is all rooted in the heart. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Does this mean that we should ignore the, fo- the formal cause or the material cause or the efficient cause? No. I think we can and should address those. But we cannot think of those as excuses for sin. That is all that we're saying here. I once heard someone compare our emotions to a horse, and we are supposed to get control of the horse, or we're supposed to get control of our emotions. Uh, But permit me to modify this example a bit. The formal cause, the material cause, and the efficient cause can be compared to the terrain that the horse is walking on. So if my emotions... Um, is the horse itself. I certainly have to get control of that horse to be a good rider. But, but I have to have not only good control of the horse, I have to understand and know how to navigate the terrain uh, that the horse is riding on. Sometimes we are thrust into situations that we have no control over, and we are riding a horse on uneven terrain or perhaps the edge of a mountain. Someone punches me. My wife snaps at me. My dog dies. I'm betrayed. I have side effects from medication. I'm overtired, etc. All these situations can be compared to the rough terrain. My goal as a rider of this horse is to simply be a good rider. And that involves having control over the horse. And it also involves knowing how to navigate rough terrain. To eliminate the material cause and the efficient cause could be compared to only riding your horse on flat, well-maintained, climate-controlled areas. You're not struggling with anger, but it's only because everything is so controlled that you're never put into a situation where you might become angry. The problem with this is that it's a fairy tale. We live in a harsh world. We do not live in a flat, well-maintained, climate-controlled route kind of a world. 
we live in a harsh world. Family members die, friends get cancer, people get sick, hormones are out of whack, bodies don't work like they're supposed to, thyroids get everything off balance, we don't get enough sleep, and all these kinds of things. And in one sense, we can say that these things cause us to sin. You can call it the material cause, you can call it the efficient cause. Again, I like to call these the many occasions of sin. But we have to recognize that these things cannot be classified as the final cause of my sin. These things, at the end of the day, just make it harder for us to hide our sin. These things uncover our hearts. These things reveal our hearts. These things function as windows to our souls. When I'm tired, I don't have quite the same ability to hide my anger. But when I'm fully awake and I'm fully in control of myself, it's easier for me to suppress and those sinful desires and to be more patient. But when all of those things are taken away, I tend to lash out in anger or whatever it might be more. And the call for us as Christians is to recognize these things, simply to acknowledge this truth, and to do right no matter what the situation. Isn't this actually what Christian sanctification is? Doing right when I don't feel like it? So what do we do? Well, you can go to the doctor, and you can get hormones straightened out, and you can see if your blood pressure medication is causing side effects, and you can check out your thyroid, and you can get more sleep, and you can eat a well-balanced diet, and you can do, and you should do all of those things. I encourage you to do all those things. Explore all of the many blessings that we have uh, with regard to modern medicine. But remember this. That God is doing something in your life through all of these situations. He is turning you into a good rider. He's sanctifying you. That's what Christian sanctification is. It is God turning you into a good rider. And if the Lord removes these occasions or these prompts to sin, then you know what we do? We praise him. And if God does not remove these occasions, you know what we do? We praise him. In any event, we are to respond to whatever comes our way, whatever physical things, whatever situational things, we are to respond to all of these things in ways that honor him. In other words, we are to navigate the trail well. And of course, we know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our sanctification, and he's the one who helps us through all of this. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.